0: This is a Foobar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.
1: Callum Nookswikin on Foo Bar Radio.
0: Every time I find myself, I feel so lost. And every truth that I discover feels so false. And every mountain that I climb that seems so
2: tall. It only felt that way cause the valley was so small Excuse
1: me, why? I, I just freaked you pretty much out of- Hello and welcome back to The Callum McSwiggin Show. We have a really exciting show for you guys today. Uh, We have an interview with the author John Boyne, who wrote My Brother's Name is Jessica, coming up later on. But right now, opposite me in the studio, is the ever so beautiful, it's Mr. (laughs) Phil Samba. How are you doing, Phil?
2: I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. Now, I... I guess I've always seen you as a pioneer, I'm going to say, um, for a lot of different activism. I mean, I think you do so much work in um, the mental health of black gay men, mm-hmm. and you also do a lot of HIV activism as well, yep. particularly around PrEP and things like that. So, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what it is you do? I know it's a big topic <laughs> to cover.
2: Um, I recently wrote a bio, so I have like, the gist of it in my head. Um... So I currently work at Terrence Siggins Trust as a health improvement specialist, which is essentially working on the project to to prevent and reduce HIV amongst men of colour, queer men of colour. I co-developed and starred in a campaign for GMFA called uh, Me, Him, Us, which did really well in and outside of the sector, the HIV sector. I... (laughs) I'm a social activist and a writer. I write a lot about kind of my own personal experiences and how I guess you know being born and raised in London and growing up in um growing up growing up here but then kind of having the background of being West African and how that's had an effect on my life and especially coming into you know me being gay and everything. So there's that, and there's like a bunch of other things that I probably can't remember off the top of my head.
1: You've got, got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. Yes. I, I feel like the, the, the way you talk about it, Phil, like I, I, it's it's such, you've done so many amazing things, yeah. and I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit for how <laughs> incredible you are. I feel like you're really playing it down. I mean, you won an award um, last year, a Gay Times Honours. Yes. Um, I was there in the audience, I was very proud, I was, I was clapping very loudly, as loud as I could.
2: Okay, that, that's actually, that's, that's a good way because those things kind of co- go into each other so um, first of all um, imposter syndrome is real yes Even imposter though syndrome I, is real I know I do like a lot of incredible things I still I don't know I kind of find it weird when um, Martin contacted me about that actually I was and he was like we'd like to um, we'd like to nominate you for an award I was like huh
1: you like me are yeah, you, are you like- sure <laughs> is this a mistake
2: well, mostly because <laughs> no one from from Gay Times was like following me so I, right. just, I just was trying to figure out how they found out what I was doing so that was that and then that actually that experience was was crazy like when I got on the stage and I still have the video of it everyone got shushed as soon as I came on it's like the whole room got (laughs) shushed and that alone was just weird and then like everyone was like really listening intently on what I had to say and everything like that and then like, I just found, I found the whole thing really overwhelming, but just because I was so happy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you absolutely deserved it. And mm-hmm. I know you say you feel like people, you know, gay times or whoever don't know what you're doing, but they, they clearly do. I mean, yeah. there's, there's eyes everywhere. <laughs> and I feel like I cannot go anywhere in the gay world without hearing your name said. Um, so, you know, you're definitely getting your name, but more importantly, the message mm-hmm. out there.
2: I think um, the other thing is that I try to use as many different things as I can to get the message out. And um, someone actually said to me this week that they, or f- well, last week, that they thought that I did PR because <laughs> I do so many things. But like I'm on, you know, I would be doing discussion panels and podcasts and I'll write my own articles and I'll contribute to articles and I'll be in videos and I'll do as many different things to reach as many different people as well as using my social media. So I think. I think everyone believes that everything I do is my job, when they don't realize that it was just literally one project and a couple of bits here and
1: there. Well, I think when you're so passionate about everything that you're doing, I mm-hmm. think the kind of per- the the lines are blurred between yeah. what's personal and what's your job. That and is I think very it's, true. it's hard to kind of draw a distinction between that. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you met you do work for Terence Higgins Trust. That is your job, but I feel like your job as a whole is something a lot bigger and yes. larger than that.
2: Especially because um, I do a lot of stuff that come into terms of like race and sexuality as well. So there's. There's, I feel like I'm mostly in. Well, there's, there's, there's the health inequalities for men of color in general, so mental health and sexual health, especially. But then there's also like race and sexuality issues, like racism in the LGBT community here, for example. And there's other things that I talk about that mm. kind of coincide that.
1: Well, I think, I, I mean, we did a, an episode recently for LGBT History Month. We did an episode on LGBT people of colour. And I feel like um, you were somebody I wanted on on that episode. I really wanted uh, to do that, but that <laughs> month was crazy. This it was is why busy. it's taken so long. To it, was, it. it was busy. But I mean, I'm glad to have you here because there's so much on that that I mm-hmm. want to discuss. And I feel like that kind of intersection between... Gay men and black men is something that we don't talk about enough, and I think yep. there are more issues there than we perhaps realise. Mm-hmm. And you know, racism is rife within our community, but there's also a refusal to accept that, and we kind of see it rear its head time and time again. I mean, when we saw the Manchester Pride, including oh, the, the <laughs> I don't, what was that flag called the, with the additional colours? Does um, it have a name? I can't
2: remember what it's called, but that haunted me for a long time.
1: <laughs> it was it was a mess, and it was it was it kind of it brought all these like racist thoughts out into the mainstream and suddenly we were seeing it everywhere
2: i don't think those those thoughts were ever hidden mm, Well, not hidden but those people always had those beliefs before it's yeah. just the flag allowed them to get riled up about it or to express how they thought about it but i got thrown under the bus when it came to that anyway what? H- how so um i all i did when i saw like i um someone i think I saw someone post it on the Instagram story and I just thought, okay, white gay men are losing their shit because there's literally two flags in a rainbow that (laughs) they clearly never gave a fuck about (laughs) before. So um, I just posted it to my story and I thought, like, look at this. Like, white gay men are proper losing it. This is funny. And then, like, it just turned into, like, a nightmare. Basically, then um, I fell out with someone that I've known since 2012 because he was saying, basically, we're all just gay now, so why don't you just get on with it? Like, structural racism doesn't allow that so okay but um there was that and then who else um i had a lot of conversations where a lot of people were telling me that i was being aggressive mm. and i was like i'm really not aggressive in the slightest I'm i just- would
1: never describe you as aggressive exactly Phil. You're and a i big, think cuddly giant <laughs> exactly
2: but that's what <laughs> that's what irritates me is because a lot of people before they meet me anyway they kind of as- associate me with the stereotypes of a young tall black man mm. and I'm, I think I've been fighting against it since I was about 14 so that's why when people try to say I'm aggressive or whatever I'm like no you're just you don't have an argument or you don't have a point like I was very valid in what I was saying and they didn't have an argument and they couldn't back me up and I was saying you need to worry about how you're coming across and I'm, I'm not coming across anything yeah. like and then um, I uh, I foolishly contributed to an article um, for the B- for BBC
1: Okay. But you say? Foolishly, I mean, you, foolishly it was because it's not a good thing they, to do.
2: No, because they did that whole for and against thing,
1: right? Okay. And the person
2: that wrote—I'm not going to say any names. The person <laughs> that wrote it, um, he got opinions from from white cis gay men who yeah. wanted to know what they thought. And then um, people were tracking, pe- like some people were tracking me down on t- Facebook, my Twitter. I can't remember if I, no, I think it's just Facebook and Twitter. They were actually searching for me to tell me what they thought about it. And then I'll tell them about themselves. And not in a rude way. I'll just say, okay, so this is happening in Russia. Shouldn't we concentrate on that? Or I'd be like, structural racism is this. Um, White fragility is this. And then they wouldn't respond. And I was just like, so why why all this energy? And I think that a lot of it comes down to a lot of white men in general, not just white gay men, but they they don't like the idea of people of color being equivalent to them yeah that's what they're scared of
1: and i i I think it's this isn't a smaller minority of people as as we might think as Mm -hmm. well i think you know people if people don't know about these issues they may be thinking you know that's just a small handful of people yes it's not it's an incredibly loud number of people and sometimes i feel like it even like becomes the majority of people there's this bizarre slant where like you said it's like it's like there's this refusal to accept a black gay men or, or just black LGBT plus people into mm-hmm. our community and I, I don't know why that is
2: I think a lot of it has to do with stereotypes Yeah. for example I don't feel like I fit into any of my stereotypes I don't think I'm stereotypically a black male or what everyone perceives to be this aggressive dog male I may dress like that if that's what they think but I'm not like that I mean size. you're dressed
1: in pink today so. I know but I'm in a hoodie <laughs> so that's still intimidating right. and sure. I'm
2: 6 foot 5 so there's that as well Gosh, and but like, there, there's the weird dress, and then there's also I guess I'm not I don't feel like I'm stereotypically gay. I don't think I I fall into a lot of categories that a lot of people think. Yeah. And I think part of why I've been successful is because I've just kind of kind of charging forward, saying I can be whoever the fuck I want, and so can you. And I think that's what's helping a lot of people. A lot of the conversations that I have with a lot of people tend to be around coming out when it's not to do with sexual health or mental health.
1: I think one thing that I've always admired in your work is that you always allow yourself to be vulnerable Mm. you know you never do take like you're saying you never do take this aggressive stance and you so often put you know your heart and your emotions on the line and Mm. you talk from a place of vulnerability and I know that you know you've had your own issues and things with mental health in the past and I think the fact that you're able to draw on those experiences and honestly put yourself out there I think that's why people do find you relatable Mm -hmm. and they've I think it breaks my heart a little bit, but th- that's also the reason so many people try to jump on you and attack you. Yeah. Thank you.
2: Um, I don't know. I just feel like I just have to keep doing it. Yeah. Like, um, I reposted a video yesterday from the, something I did for GMFA for a project they're working on. And someone messaged me and said, you know, where did you get your therapy? And then I told him where I was doing it at work at the time. And I was saying, you know, you can get on the NHS, but it takes ages. And then like, he was like, I'm worried about some of the stuff that might come up. And I was like, we all have stuff to deal with. and like dealing with it is better than just letting it sit there and get worse. And it's just stuff like that. As much, If I can help one
1: person, then I feel like I'm I'm doing a great job. Absolutely can we can we talk about prep as well very yes, quickly? because i'm I'm very passionate about prep. and I know that it's one of the main things that you talk about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's still not enough. Knowledge around it. Yes. Um, so, uh, give me your spiel on prep. You know, for anyone listening, for any gay man listening who doesn't know about prep or what it is or why it's important. Okay. Um, give it to me. There's, there's, some, <laughs> there's so much. To I know it's a, it's a big, it's a big it's undertaking.
2: A um, so, the shortest version I can think of: H- uh, prep is a HIV prevention drug which you take before and after sex that can prevent you from getting HIV if you take it like as instructed. And um, basically, the issues we have in England at the moment is that we don't have access in England like we do in, let's say, Scotland or in um, Northern Ireland. And um, basically, the the issue uh, Wales actually Wales has a project too. We have the trial where people can access it through the trial, but the tri- the spaces for men who have sex with men are all filled up. Um, that you can buy it online from I Prep Now uk, but. I think the the main issue that a lot of people have is that they don't know a lot of people that are on it. Mm-hmm. So because they don't know a lot of people on it, then they won't take it themselves because they don't have that personal connection to someone that is using it. Sure. There's also some research came out recently which um said that a lot of a lot of men don't have the capacity to have conversations about condomless sex amongst their friends. So that's another issue. And I also I take prep myself and I talk about it <laughs> nonstop, yeah, because I feel like there's not enough black gay men that are comfortable with themselves or comfortable enough to talk about it or feel like they'll be judged, so yeah.
1: I, I think there is a lot of stigma around HIV, you know, within the gay community, but mm-hmm. also within the Black community it's as well. A lot so worse, yeah. there's no. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that there is that stigma there, and I think mm-hmm. the fact that you're pointing yourself out there and saying, "Hey, guys, I I take prep. I'm proud to take prep," and you know, maybe it's an option for you as well. Yeah, I think that's an amazing thing. So you know, thank you for all you're doing there.
2: Thank you. I just I think it's incredible how it's managed to bring hiv rates down yeah for like the first time so quickly ever. as well yes you know? and it's this is this is why I, do, I think initially when i first got involved with the sector i always thought i knew about prep from like maybe 2015 i didn't know how to access it or where to get it. i don't think we even could get it at the time until greg did his thing um but like i always just thought if it works why don't we have it yeah like that's it's just, that was and that's why i do what i do with prep
1: I think that, I mean, it, we could sit here for hours and talk about it, but I think, you know, the, the politics behind, you know, why we couldn't have it and everything. There was so much, I think, homophobia at I was, times. I was about to say that myself. <laughs> and it was a mess. Um, unfortunately, we don't have time to mm. pick all that apart because, you know, we'd be here forever. Um, you also do some fun things, Phil. You know, this oh, is God. all very serious. Um, and you, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. Yes. Um, you were in a music video recently. Oh, yes. Yes, to, to tell, true. Us, tell us about this. Well, um, so, I have to start off with
2: the album cover, actually, do I? Yes, yeah.
1: I, I, the, the album cover is funny, actually, because I remember we, we used to work together mm-hmm. at Terrence Hickens Trust, and I remember you coming in one day and asking if you could have the day off <laughs> yeah. to go and do this album cover, and you were like, oh, no, it's just, it's just for a, a friend, you know, it's, oh, it's just this little artist, you won't have heard of him, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. I didn't uh, say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. You played it off that way.
2: I, I think uh, maybe to maybe to Cham because Cham yeah. wouldn't have heard of.
1: Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 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 okay, who is it? Okay, <laughs> so
2: how did how did this happen? I I met Nike at a house party because we had, we had, at the time we had mutual friends and he came to the house party and I just I think I can't remember. I, I, we just met and then we met again through the same group of friends and then. I was coming home one day and then he was like, he, he damned me on tour and he was like, what's your number? Um, I need to speak to you about something. And I was just freaking, I don't know why, but I just started panicking. Yeah. And then like, he messaged me and he goes, um, we had this really cool idea for what I wanted to do for my album cover. But now I'm thinking I want to have like, sort of, I want to show, I want to do something on black masculinity and femininity. And I want to balance like, I don't know, having someone, me being, feminine and you being masculine and put it on the cover and do something and i was just like yes whatever it is yes yeah i was like i'll speak to work i'll get off i'll call cool in sick if i have to i don't know but i wanted to do it and then we did that quite early actually we did that in the we did that in february last year and the album didn't drop until september so i think the a big cover- wait yes the cover art didn't come out for ages but i sorry i had a preview of it like long before it came out so i was just waiting for it and then it's a
1: beautiful cover by the way it is
2: so good it's so good it's honestly the picture is just incredible I wasn't expecting it to be like that at all and then um, when he dropped when the album dropped we went uh, he invited me to his album launch party and then before I'd heard the album because he had the party on the Thursday Thursday going into Friday when the album came out on the Friday and then I remember the track list and he said like I really need to do a music video for Girlfriend and I was just like what is that? I need to hear that song. Like, And then I remember <laughs> as I was playing the album, Girlfriend was the song that I replayed like six times before yeah. I, could, I could play the rest of this, the, the album. And I said to him, if you need anyone, I'm I <laughs> here. I'm here. I'll do it. Whatever. And then like, I think a couple months passed and then he he, he messaged me and he's like, actually, um, I'd like to have you for it. And I was like, done. We filmed that just, I think just before, just after Christmas and then it came out in February. And that music video is incredible because it's, it's so
1: messy. It's such a good video. I mean, you play the you play the guy who's cheating on his girlfriend yes, with that guy with MTK essentially. Um, well, I think you can see where this is going. Uh, <laughs> I, I, our first song for today's show is going to be why it's not here. Why I've lost it? Okay, I'll just swap it in. Uh oh! Oh no, Callum, this is why I need to be prepared. Uh, <laughs> my producer is on her way to help me. um But yeah, it is such a great song, such a great music video. Um, And yes, I have it now. So here we (laughs) go. This is Girlfriend by m
2: If your girlfriend knew about me and you, about what we do, tell me what would she do? Yeah, if you told the truth and said the word, someone like her just isn't right for you I'm no little secret nobody's supposed to know you wanna keep this on keep this on the I'm the reason she's wondering why you're never home why you're never home but imagine if she knew you were to
1: me and acting irresponsibly while she's home learning recipes you Are you ready for a game, Phil? Yes. So this is one of my personal favourite games. This is a game called Porn or Not Porn? So I have, uh, I can tell you like this already. In front of me, I have five sound bites. Some of these have been taken from porn and some of them have been taken not from porn. And we together have to figure out which is which. Okay. Uh, Um, Are they taken from gay porn? Most likely. Maybe not. But often, often they are taken from gay porn. Uh, But we do a different theme every week. And I mean, this is a tenuous theme. I feel like my producers were struggling with this. This is very tenuous indeed. Because your surname is Samba, we've Mm -hmm. gone for a dance theme this week. (laughs) So these have either been taken from porn or some kind of dance. It's harder than you think. Um, I do not have the answers in front of me. So we are a team. Mm -hmm. Do you want to dive right in and do this? Yeah. Okay. Our first soundbite is. No,
2: we're on a jelly roll to this jelly roll.
1: I did not understand a word of that. What? Did you get any of that? Let's hear it again. Now we're going to jelly roll to this jelly roll. Now we're going to jelly roll to this jelly roll? See, that could be either. <laughs> that
2: could be sex or dancing.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm just puzzled. That who talks like that? I'm going, going again.
2: Now we're going to jelly roll to this jelly roll.
1: Now we're going to jelly roll to this jelly roll. Nobody speaks like that.
2: No, but he sounds kind of hot, so that's making me want to he's, fit He sounds but kind of hot. But the jelly rolls making me think that it's dancing so i'm really i don't know
1: I, 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 you, you pick what would a what would a jelly roll be in sex
2: that is also true
1: <laughs> i don't
2: know some people get up to some some crazy things
1: i i i, I i'm kind of leaning towards dance because i just don't know what that would be in the context of a porno okay but I, you want to say porn because he sounds hot yeah <laughs> Because he might be a hot porn star. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the logic there. See, there's, there's some theory in that. So, so we're torn here. Which, which way are we going to go? Let's go with dance. Yeah? Okay, mm-hmm. we are saying not porn. And the answer is not porn. Oh, See. This is YouTuber Buff Carell. Never heard of him. Uh, introduces his very bad vocal cover of Pumped Up Kicks along with his signature bad dance moves. <laughs> Lovely. Should we do the next one? Sure. Okay, here we go. See, I could do a whole spin on the ground.
2: Definitely
1: porn. Yeah, I feel like the 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 bad sound quality. She has a bit of a um, uh, cock destroyers to her voice. She does have a little bit of a a cock destroyers to her voice. See, I could do a whole spin on the ground. I feel like there's this. There is a thing that porn actor actresses do where they kind of put this little. I don't even know what it is, but there's a little lilt in their voice. I was going to do the
2: impression, but I'm not going to do it. No, please
1: do. No, I can't. Please do. What? What are we, Phil? Please. What are we, Phil? fucking cock <laughs> destroyers aren't we babe that was no. that was beautiful I'm Why gonna really? soundbite that I'm gonna take that <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my ringtone from now on when you get a text let's 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 hear her again see I could do a whole spin on the ground yeah I'm with you I think this is porn because
2: that's like that's before sex yes that's look what I can do and then seconds later that's what she'll
1: be doing. so this is in the build up yes I completely agree with you we are saying porn. that this is porn and the answer is pawn. Sweet. A female dancer wearing bright red disco pants is trapped in a ring gag. Is a ring gag where it holds your mouth open?
2: I have no idea.
1: Or is it? I'm get, I think it's one of the, uh, that like holds your mouth wide open. Okay. You're looking at me like sweet innocent Phil. I've never I'm heard not, of any like, of these. I things. had a flashback to something. <laughs> and I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, i'm very intrigued I, w- I won't push you okay
2: but- <laughs> basically my friend had something similar to that okay had like there was like a vagina where the mouth should be
1: oh wow yeah so it's for like a, a, a face no, but it
2: was like quite it was like quite long so i was like it, that's not gonna work so i don't i don't know i don't
1: know wow i, I kind of want to play with that that sounds fun i will get a picture <laughs> thank you should we do our next one sure. are you straight no Definitely porn. That has to be porn! In what? How could that ever be dance?
2: Because the gay porn is really, really poorly acted. That's why that um, that um, video with Emma Stone did so well.
1: Which video with Emma Stone? Oh,
2: you need to watch it. There's what, an what? SNL video where she... Okay, I don't want to ruin it for you.
1: Set, no, set this up. You have to tell me now. Okay, basically... No, I can't.
2: I can't because <laughs> it ruins the video. You have to just
1: watch it. So it's Emma Stone pretending to be a porn actress. No, it's Emma
2: Stone playing the role of... Um, the the wife in the porno
1: okay that's the that's the short version right okay and it's snl yes okay i will look that up and i and i recommend our lovely listeners do as well um so what are we saying for this one are we saying porn are you straight
0: no
1: great that has to be porn doesn't it yeah because that that no was like he was definitely gay do you know what i mean yeah so i think porn yeah we are saying porn this is not porn. Is it not? This is taken from a video called Who's the Best Dancer, where a panel of young people firstly have to make assumptions about the dancer in front of them and then rate their dancing out of five. That sounds really horrible. That does sound like that's a very judgmental <laughs> game. I, I would not want to play that. <laughs> What's the, where's the benefits? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got that one wrong, but we're two out of three. Okay. Um, let's do the next one.
0: Sometimes it's hard to
1: talk to. To talk to? Sometimes it's hard to talk to sometimes he's hard to talk to is that what he's saying sometimes it's hard to talk to i think so sometimes he's hard to talk to i think that could be either hmm. again this is like some really bad porn acting or oh, who I fucking knows i want to say anything. i want
2: to say not porn because it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't actually if you listen to it it doesn't actually sound like bad acting it sounds really
1: realistic sometimes it's hard to talk to it just sounds like someone chatting yeah, yeah. doesn't it yeah you're right Yeah, and it doesn't sound sexy either. This isn't somebody trying to get me. He didn't do the the Cock Destroyer's voice. He didn't do the Cock Destroyer's voice. (laughs) Should I do it again, Phil? (laughs) Uh, I think we are saying that this is not porn. And the answer is not porn. Sweet. This is taken from a scene from Dirty Dancing. One of Patrick Swayze's friends warns baby about the type of teacher he is. Okay. I do not remember that. But you've but sure. never seen it, you know.
2: You've never seen I'm it. I'm really bad with films, but I don't want to say all of this. There's, you could give me a, like, a list of like 50 films that everyone has seen Gladiator. I've, I've never
1: seen it. Titanic. I've seen that. Okay, good. Because we're, <laughs> we're about to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do our last one. Okay. Uh, how did this one go? Hmm. See, he has a, a voice that could very easily be in porn, but he could also be like a, like a sexy dance teacher as well, you know?
2: Wait, play it again how did this one go? I think it's dance Because you're not going to ask that question during sex
1: You might What's do <laughs> How
2: does this one go? You'd know how it goes
1: that, that, Unless it's I mean? like they're doing like a, a, a challenge Where they have to do all these like weird positions It's like oh so how, how does this one go? You know? No because no. it's always, it's always <laughs> like poor storyline Yeah that, And then sex So you think not porn? Yes I, I'm going to agree with you Yeah we are saying that this is not porn this is indeed not porn. This is taken from a tour video from the hunky dance troupe, The Dream Boys. Someone is asking the group how their show went the previous night. I've seen The Dream Boys. That's practically porn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that one's like <laughs> in the middle. Um, I've seen The Dream Boys, and uh, it wasn't for me. Wasn't it? It was very kind of vanilla stripping, mm-hmm. um, and it was very heteronormative as well. Is that possible? Well, I mean, like, it was a room full of women cheering at, like, five guys who were, like... And it was just... The way the whole thing was set up was that they were all these, like, really masculine... Ah, uh, see. You know? And I would have liked a little bit of... Maybe a little twink or something, <laughs> just, just to mix things up a bit, you know? That would, that would have been nice. Um, so, yeah, the Dream Boys, not, not one I would recommend. Uh, we got four out of five, right, Phil? Okay, that's not too bad. Um, you know, that, that, I think that's pretty good. So, well done, us. Uh, we are going to have a little bit of music now, and then we're going to jump straight into our interview with John Boyne. So, this is Too Cool by Emily Burns. Say I made a mistake Turned up 40 minutes late Just to make you angry. But you didn't care, you never care Then I hid your car keys
2: Made you miss the party You thought it was funny You didn't care, you never care
1: So I am now joined by the lovely John Boyne as part of my Queer Book Club and we're going to be discussing his new book, My Brother's Name is Jessica. So John, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm pretty good.
0: Thank you for inviting me on.
1: Of course. So tell me a little bit. I've almost finished reading the book. I'm about 20 pages away from the end. So I'm very (laughs) excited to see um, the the climax, I guess. But do you want to tell us a little bit about the book?
0: Yeah, it's um, narrated by a 13-year-old boy, Sam, who has always idolised his older brother um, who has been like a great older brother an inspiration to him best footballer in school and the parents are quite absent they're very uh, busy with their political careers and at the end of the first chapter his sibling comes downstairs and says he doesn't think he's his brother at all he believes he's his sister so the story is really about how Sam over the course of a summer explores this subject of transgender and comes to support his sister uh, from a point where at the start he's very embarrassed by it. He's confused by it. He's uh, he does a lot of things which are not kind. Mm. Um, But it's it's really about how he comes to understand that Jessica is the same person. She's always been the same loving, kind, supportive inspiration. She just has a, a new name, a new identity, a new body. Uh, so it's it's really about empathy and understanding, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think it's really it's really quite special in the way that it handles it because it is from Sam's point of view, and you kind of get this childlike understanding. And he, he like you said, there are moments where he's almost quite nasty and quite mm. mean, but he's not he's not meaning to be. He keeps continually saying throughout the book, you know, that's you're my brother Jason. And he doesn't. He almost doesn't want to accept that it's actually his sister, Jessica. Well,
0: he's quite selfish, really. Yeah, because he's thinking about himself more than he's thinking about her. He's thirteen years old, yeah. and you know that's what I guess what we're like. that, he doesn't want the status quo to be upset. He likes things exactly as they are, and you know he he just doesn't understand what's going on at all. I did think it was important that I used his point of view though, rather than Jessica's, because mm. I don't have that personal experience of being transgender, and I thought that's probably a place um, for a transgender writer to write about. yeah, But I do know what it's like to just not really know too much about a subject and to approach it and try to learn about it, try to educate myself. And in, in the books I've written for young people, this is the sixth, I've often chosen a topic where you have a kind of an innocent, naive boy uh, where the events are kind of playing out before him. And he's asking all the stupid questions and trying to understand it. And yeah, at times doing the wrong thing, but really going on a journey where by the end he's grown up you know yeah. he's, he's he's like it's. this is not about me actually my brother as was has always looked out for me now it's time for me to look after my sister
1: I, I think it's I think it's really important it's not something that I've actually seen or read before I've never kind of seen this perspective where there is this high level of empathy for the person that doesn't understand and and, and it's not just Sam either it's the, it's the parents who I think as well can be quite um, mean spirited at times but it, it it is fair, I think, you know, it's when they're saying these unpleasant things, it's 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 not easy to read. And, it, and at times it's almost harrowing and it reminds you that transgender people have to go through those things. Yeah. But and you actually, do feel that from the parents. You do feel
0: that. Yeah. But, but but what I really would like would be if young people who are reading this book felt exactly what you're saying, if they felt, you know, if they themselves started from a position of maybe not feeling as generous feelings towards trans people as they should if they read it and they see some of the things that Sam says and some of the things that he does and that they go well hang on I mean that's that's just cruel that's mm. that's mean um, why do that and make them challenge their own prejudices or, or you know the things that they don't understand about the subject.
1: Yeah, and I and I think it it, it 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 does that in very subtle ways as well. Like I think I think it's lovely that Jessica or or Jason is is a footballer and you know the be, the captain is it captain captain of the the, football yeah, team yeah and the best football player in school and yeah. it's you know it's not something that you expect and then there's also the fact that you know there's a lot of talk about sexuality as well and like the assumption that sexuality and gender go hand in hand but you know uh, Jessica is you know she still wants to date girls and
0: yes and, I, and I, even I for that's her great. that's confusing because you know the, the first thing sometimes people think about transgender people well, are you gay then and and of course it's not necessarily connected um, in in a, in a complete way and for Jessica who's 17 and is sexually interested in girls but says from her standpoint of when she was originally in a in a in the identity of a boy, um, saying, Well, I'm no, I'm not gay. And then Sam is saying to her, But if you think you're a girl and you're attracted to girls, doesn't that make you gay? And that leaves Jessica kind of look, I don't know. I'm 17. Yeah. I'm literally trying to figure this out myself. I I don't know <laughs> what what's going on. You know, I, I'm 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 learning about this myself. I want to speak to people. I want to go I know that I am a girl. I want to pursue this identity and take it on. But outside of that, look, I'm only figuring it out as I go along as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I love that conversation. It's actually one of my favourite parts of the book. I, yeah, it's really special. There There's, there's another moment as well when um, Jessica's first talking about realising that she was a girl for the first time. And she's talking about growing up. And I, I don't want to give too much away, but just talking about you know feeling like she belonged in a different bathroom from a very, very young age, from the yeah, age of, I think, th- three. three three years old. And that really hit me. You know, I feel like I I have a lot of trans friends. I feel like I'm very educated on transgender issues. And yet for the first time I was hearing a trans person, whether, you know, they're
0: fictional, but even still, it still carried the same weight. Well, it's not fictional because Ah, I took that story from a trans friend of mine almost word for word. Um, And she told me that uh, when she had been a three year old boy as such, that it was uh, this was an experience that she had. and just didn't want to use, didn't, didn't feel comfortable using the boys' toilets. You mm. know, and felt she should be with the girls. And this is at three when you don't know anything about anything. You know, our first memories generally aren't even too close to, you know, they're around four maybe. But she remembered this. So it's, it was in a subconscious, it was in the brain already. Mm. And um, last night I was doing an event which was moderated by a, a transgender woman who was also saying about sort of being three and knowing then, just knowing that that's, certain things that you sort of traditionally do with boys was not the place for her that she felt awkward and uncomfortable then so that does just show that it's there from birth yeah Um, absolutely and they have to you know find that courage to 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 accept it but everybody else has to also accept it and say right well look you are who you are there you are who cares? You yeah, know.
1: I, I, I think it's a, it's a really important point to make, you know, especially right now with all the conversations around, you know, LGBT plus education in schools and people saying that, you know, it's not appropriate, it's not appropriate to be teaching kids around sexuality and gender. But, you know, that,
0: that shows but, that but it is. But you see, what we should be teaching people about is empathy and understanding yeah. and support. You know, gay people, uh, transgender people, people who have any kind of, you know, one of my favourite authors is John Irving. And he always uses... Uh, a, a term because he writes about characters like that often, and he uses the term um, when you're growing up feeling like a sexual misfit, and people who are, who feel that way and are going through that way, they need their friends, they need support, and um, teaching empathy is only a good thing if 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 you don't talk about it, if it, it turns it into a taboo, it turns it into something. If, if something you don't talk about is something dirty, it's something that shouldn't be talked about, it's something dark. Um, so, I I, I think. We should be teaching children about this. It's not like you're saying uh, you then have to to be this. You know, you know, you, you do a science class it doesn't mean you have to be a scientist. You know, it's yeah. Um, it's just about teaching children to be kind, to be understanding. That said, I think children today, young people today, are completely different than when I was that age. Um, children and teenagers, kids I know say through my nephews and nieces and so on, would be horrified at the idea of anybody being prejudiced against anybody for a sexual reason, um, for a gender identity for, a, uh, for being gay it would be like you know, making a racist comment or something, mm. they would be out of their group in a second and if anything I think they seem to encourage people to be open and to experiment and to, to find out who they are and to live their, their most authentic life and I think that's really really encouraging, I think it's only the older people who really have the problem so looking towards the future I think there's a lot of hope actually on the horizon. Mm. Did, what 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 was it that kind of inspired you then to? Because I
1: guess there is a lot of transphobia in the book, and it and it, and it does come from fellow classmates, etc. And it, it is set in the modern day. Yeah. So what what made you kind of decide to do that? Was it to just kind of really try to make the reader feel that empathy for the character, or was there something else behind that?
0: Uh, well, it's a combination. One to feel the empathy, but. Also because the, the, it, there is natural for all I say you know that you know kids are very good today in general, there's always going to be that bully,
1: yes there's always going yeah. to
0: be that person who actually themselves is feeling insecure about something and is looking for who can I focus attention on to keep it off me and bully them and you know there's always going to be that kid in school so it would be it would be silly to write a book like this and pretend that there is not that out there you know if 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 I'd written the book say where Jessica comes out and everybody says oh that's wonderful great it's you know, enjoy it Yeah, you know well what am I supposed to do for the next 200 pages you know, it's, <laughs> no, there's no, got not to be a very good book <laughs> yeah, and there's got to be some realism to it and also as we know look, having trans friends it's not like that anyway people are um, your loved ones are going to be worried for you. They're going Mm. to be concerned for you. They're going to, in all honesty, most of the time, they're going to wish this wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you you don't want somebody you love to go through what is obviously going to be a very traumatic experience. And I think today, you know, in 2019, for gay people, it's not that big a deal anymore. Nobody really cares about people being gay. It's just not an issue. But trans people have not quite got that far yet in the culture. And people are more likely to maybe do a double take on somebody on the street make a cruel comment at, in the night time in a club or something there is always the potential for violence against trans people mm-hmm. um, particularly I think you know if you get a bunch of drunken guys and one of them might be hitting on a trans woman without realising that they're a trans woman there is always that issue of like sexual humiliation yeah. in front of friends that young guys can have and it can turn into violence with beer so it's one of the things I think it's one of the things that makes trans people very brave. I think that you, you're, you're living a life that is difficult, and yeah. and anything can happen at times. But uh, the more we educate people on it, I guess, the more people um, will will stop that cycle of violence. So, But you've got to have that in the book, though. It's it would be unrealistic. Uh, not to have it there.
1: Yeah. On the flip side of that, I do think it's quite refreshing that I, I don't want to say who this is, but one of the I think the character you would least expect to be accepting of Jessica, the first person who correctly uses her pronouns in the mm. book, comes at a surprise, and I, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to yeah. say who that is, but I was I was really happy to see that because it's it's going against the the stereotypes and yeah, you yeah. know f- f- subverting subver- and, subverting. Well, people things. will
0: surprise you. You know, the the person who you think might be prejudiced in some way is often completely not. And the person who you think is like a, a tree-hugging, pinko, lefto, commie, you know, yeah. liberal can sometimes turn on you for the strangest thing. You know, it yeah. can be actually quite conservative in some things. It's, we're all complicated and surprising people, I think. You know, people have a way of surprising.
1: I think it's interesting as well that the the, the family itself is not, I think... Sometimes when we see stories about LGBT plus people and them struggling with their families, it's often rooted in like a working class environment. You know, you have your working class father who's mm. going to react negatively to their son coming out as gay. But but we don't see that in the book. We see this very upper class family who are involved in politics. And I mean, it depends. I guess it depends where you fall on the political spectrum but I guess that's not what you would expect you know if I thought somebody was going to be homophobic or transphobic maybe wrongly I might be looking at a different kind of side of the class divide so I I like Mm. that it really shows that
0: yeah and I guess you know these things they they hit people no matter where you are in your financial status and your um, social status and your your colour your religion it's 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 very random yeah and um, with the parents in the book what they do of course is their cruelty is shown by the fact that they bury their hearts in the sand really they're more concerned about the mother's political career yeah. and what can we do you know they they even sort of like think well may, how will this play basically how will this play to the voters yeah. and they they have reached a point in their lives where they have forgotten that their primary job is the care of their children yeah. and that is something that they throughout the book have to go on a you know a journey about as well and and come out the other side of that and realize actually what does it matter if you become you know the, the most powerful person in the country if you've lost one of your kids I mean
1: absolutely absolutely
0: I wanted to challenge young readers certainly I wanted to m- encourage them to be empathetic but I also wanted to tell a good story you know that is like the primary job of the novelist.
1: And, and it is a great story. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, I, like I said, I've not finished it yet. I have about 20 pages to go, so I'm excited to run out of here and finish. But I've thoroughly enjoyed reading it. And it really, I, I, I felt like I was learning myself. You know, I mentioned that I feel like I'm very educated on LGBT plus issues. But even reading this, I felt like I was taking away something. And, well, you know, I it felt it as I was writing empathy. it, you
0: know, I mean, I tried to find out things. I tried to educate myself on it. But in the great scheme of things... You know, I don't know how much of, out of a hundred percent I really still know, and i mean, even learning through the experience of talking about the book now and and hearing people talk about it. It's 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 an ongoing education, isn't it? And all, all you can do is try to keep your mind open to every piece of information that comes your way and listening. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I hope a lot of people read it. I hope it's not just LGBT plus people that pick up this book. I hope everyone picks yeah, up this so. book because I think we can learn a lot from it. Where, where can people get it? All good bookstores? All good
0: bookstores, all online. It's available from um, today as we're talking and uh, yeah, you can get it anywhere really. Amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, John. Thank
1: you so much for coming on. Thank you.
0: Callum McSwiggan, McSwiggan of Radio. <laughs>
1: That was a lovely interview with the lovely John Boyne there talking about his book, My Brother's Name is Jessica. Now, Phil, I know you haven't read this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm assuming you haven't. (laughs) But there's been um, a little bit of controversy since I I did sit down and talk with John. There's been a little bit of controversy around this book online. Um, And I think it's the the brunt of it is kind of coming from that. You know, the book does have transphobic characters and it does kind of ex- explore transphobic themes, but it kind of does that in order to, you know, I guess, I guess show the reality of the experience of some trans mm-hmm. people. Um, and I just think it's an interesting one because I think it's I think it's really important that we are able to share those stories. Yeah. Um and i for one don't want those to be shut down Mm -hmm. um but i guess i I guess it's a tricky one i don't know if you have any thoughts on that i know you you don't know about the controversy so it's difficult for you to comment
2: well I i get the gist but it does sound ridiculous
1: yeah um there's so many different
2: films tv shows books like so many different things where there's a lot of there's there's characters that are racist homophobic transphobic etc etc so why in this case is it such a huge issue Mm, yeah
1: was is it the was the author himself themselves um trans he wasn't. And, and I would say that, you know, that is one thing where, you know, I think there are some people saying out there, you know, why wasn't this opportunity given to a trans author? And, and I actually agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we do need to be making sure that we are raising up trans voices and giving them the opportunity to de- tell their stories directly. And I actually completely back that. Um, but at the same time, if somebody from outside of that community wants to also write a story about that and and they're doing it for the right reasons and they're doing it to, you know, bring light to it, then I think that's an important thing as well.
2: I agree. I just, I feel like there there needs to be a lot more stories and a lot more books and a lot more things for trans people and about trans people. And if if a guy that is cis and that wants to do some stories on trans people or their experience or things that he may have learned or things that he may know from people he knows, I don't see the issue with that. I don't see that as transphobic either.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, again, I would love to talk about that all day, <laughs> um, Phil. But we are—we're we're coming up to the end of the show, so I—I I, want to talk a little bit more about the work. I know you've got some work coming up with the Me, Him, Us campaign. Yes. You've done some amazing things there already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember seeing posters and things like all over London. That—that yes. that, that, that was your work, right? Yeah. Well, um, you I, were in some of it as well. I think i,
2: I was like the main character in it yeah but i'm not this time
1: <laughs> okay so, so so tell us a little bit about what it is that you okay
2: guys... so me him us was a campaign that i did for gmfa to motivate more black gay men to or black men in general to get tested for stds and hiv um it kind of showed me and another gay man kind of being a bit intimate and it was really sweet and i think it, it did really or i don't think it did really well in and out of the hiv and sexual health sector and mm-hmm. with the
1: communities so it's, it's people just responded well to it because it's, it's, it's representation?
2: Um, the representation was really powerful and that's what this the first one was about. We're currently doing, the second one is launching on um, the next uh, Monday, the next bank holiday and it's going to be a lot bigger. There's a lot more people in it and it's going
1: to be huge. Amazing. Can you, I feel like there's things you can't tell me about. it. No, 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 it's, 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 it's not like that. Um,
2: I just, um, with the first one, it was kind of like, that was sort of like a launch pad for me. But, like, with this one, I would like to kind of kickstart a lot of other people within HIV and sexual health or at least trying to bridge the gap a bit.
1: And do you, do you think there's a reluctance for people to talk about these things? Do you think campaigns like this are broadening that conversation? Um,
2: definitely. I remember when the when um, someone messaged me on Twitter once and he said, I really wanted to start prep, but I was really embarrassed to go to the clinic. Really? And he said, I saw me, him, us, and that gave me the motivation to do it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's
1: what I did. Like, that's, it's brilliant when you can see the direct, work, yeah. you know actions taken from your work that yes. is amazing um I, and again i think there are so many you know i talk to people all the time and gay men who i would have thought were very educated on mm-hmm. issues around sexual health and things and i will mention prep or, or pep even and mm-hmm. and and they have no idea that yes. that's even a thing
2: well a, a lot um from the research that i mentioned earlier um there's something that came up with uh, a lot apparently a lot of queer men kind of teach themselves about sexual health and that's how they teach other people so i think it's really important for us as gay men as bi men to learn about sexual health and what's available so we can pass that
1: on to our friends and they can pass it on Absolutely. Word of, word of mouth is, is how we get the message out there. Exactly, um, And, and you, get to, you get to research sex, which is, a, <laughs> which is a great and a fun thing to research. Yes. Um, Phil, if people want to, I guess, see more of your work, see all the things you're doing. I know you've got some amazing things coming up in the future that you can't even tell me about. But <laughs> if, if, I, you know, if people want to follow you and your journey and all the amazing things you're doing, how can people do that?
2: Okay, so I hate Facebook. <laughs> um, me too. <laughs> you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram on um, idiosyncratic xl.
1: That's very hard to spell, I imagine. Yes. Um. Um, okay, there's
2: people are listening, so I don't, should I spell it out?
1: Uh, no, it, it, they will be able to find it online, and we'll make sure Kyle it's available. i will put out a link, it's fine. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you go on to my Insta story right now, um, your beautiful face is there, so they can Thank tap you. through to you. Um, well, you have been an amazing guest. Thank you for having me It's yeah. been lovely to have you here, um, and I'm going to play you out with some new music from the lovely, lovely Miss Benny. This is Rendezvous.
2: You've been listening to a Foobar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.